Hey. Howdy, folks. <laughs> Howdy, folks. Um, lit news. What's lit news? Did you expect that to be Harry Styles' Halloween costume? No, and I hated it. I thought it was boring. I thought it was boring. I thought he looked ugly. Oh, I did not think he looked ugly. I haven't seen Harry in tight pants in so long. I was I, I was I, feeling great. The pants were fine. I thought the wig was ugly. It, Yeah, the wig was off. And I don't understand why he couldn't have just done it with his real hair. Because he's bald. That's true. Because that wig was fitting. It fit. No, you know what I mean? Um, but also when they posted that thing that was like, "Do you dare say it?" Don't. I thought it was gonna be Beetlejuice. I thought it was either gonna be Beetlejuice or someone said Voldemort, which I thought was really really funny, and I could totally see Harry doing that just to be a little ass because he's Harry. Right. But then I'm like, "What do you dare say?" Right. Grease, because grease is the word. Is that what it is? <sighs> It was stupid and it was dumb and I'm mad at him. It was yeah, and also parts of hopelessly devoted to it was great. Yeah. Parts were not. No, I agree. And to make matters worse, I heard that my policeman is really bad and that he's terrible. What the F guys? <laughs> we can't keep getting away with this. I planned on watching it with Nick. I, I'm still gonna watch it. I mean, I watched Don't Worry Darling too. Um, but Don't Worry Darling was also terrible. So but it's like I I'm gonna watch it either way, but it's like now I can't watch it with Nick. If it's bad, I can't watch right. it. Right. Because you don't want to be embarrassed. Harry. Harry. Anyways, that was the lit news. <laughs> that was the lit news. You heard it here first. Harry Styles. He's on thin ice. Harry Wayne. Harry Wayne, Harry Styles. Um, well, I'm Liza. I'm Riss. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping, and so much reading. His brain dried up, and he went completely out of his mind. Um, what's yeah. up? What's good? How is everyone's Halloween? Um, happy. Uh, how is everyone's All Saints Day? Did you see a saint? How How was everybody's Dia de los Muertos? Yeah. Did you? Did you accidentally steal from the dead and then uh, your your soul leaves your body and you go into uh, the dead realm and your family has to um, try to um, get you back to the other realm, but you need their blessing, but they will only give you their blessing if you decide not to perform music anymore but you love music and you think that your grandpa was a music star um um, um, um and you find this guy who says that he can get you into your grandpa's party and oh by the way your dog dante is following you around and dante is the best <laughs> you guys do that yeah did you do that did you do that yesterday <laughs> on the first of november 
guys missed out. Did you? Dude, that's my favorite Disney movie, I think. Me and Nick played a game where we did, like, drafts. Uh-huh. So, like, we did Disney movie draft, and that was in my top five. It should be. Because it's, it's like... And and honestly, if I thought that other people, like more people, would have picked it, it would have been higher up on my list. But I knew Nick wouldn't have picked that because he doesn't know new Disney movies. Um, and the point of the draft is to pick what other people want, so you make the best team. Oh, yeah. but it, it should really be number one because it's just an amazing film. It should, but it's like it doesn't matter. No, the order of the five doesn't matter. It only matters like is Nick gonna pick Coco? No. Right. No. He's not. He's not. Does um Silvio like Coco? He went through a Coco phase. He hasn't wanted to watch it in a while, but when I put it on, he watches it. Does he like the Where Should I Put My Shoes song? Yes, that's on our uh the playlist that I made for Silvio in, in the in the car. I love it. It's an amazing song. You say, put them on your head. You <laughs> make me one poco loco. Slay. So good. We love Miguel. We love it. We love to see it. Yes. Um. So speaking of November 1st and All Saints and um, the reason for the season, um, what, 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 what is our theme for today? Sweater weather. All I am is a man. <laughs> what a bop, you know. So good. It, it, it was like the, it set the tone of a generation. It was like, oh, you're in high school? Check this out. Check this out. Check this out, you little Tumblr grunge ass freaks. Sweater weather. 505. The Love Club. That's it. Um, nine anything by the nineteen seventy five. Oh, freaking chocolate! Yeah, chocolate. Wow, smell like chocolate. <laughs> uh, what a time to have lived through. It was so good. You guys, you guys missed out. In two thousand fourteen, unmatched behavior. <laughs> it doesn't get worse than that. <laughs> Some people never had that experience. Some people have never been 15 in 2014, and it shows. So Get this, get this. Some people have never had a Tumblr face. They've never had, like, a Tumblr. They weren't on Tumblr in 2013, 14, 15. That could not be me because I was chronically on Tumblr. Exactly. Me too. Um, So much so that I associate the term sweater weather, like, with Tumblr, and it actually causes me to spiral into, like, a... Uh, like um, a war flashback of of soft grunge tumbler and when I like loved skins and had yes. childhood depression and that that like picture of those very clearly British kids yes like, and only one of them looks like actually good and it's the boy yes yes He's, like yes. very well dressed the rest of them I'm like I'm scared I know exactly I'm scared I know exactly what you're talking about and that's sweater weather what if we just like got Tumblr and just did it again? I, I sometimes I actually think about that. I got a notification today that was like your account is eight years old, and I was like, my account's definitely like ten years old, so I don't yeah. know what I must have another account. But I'm like, I don't really know what they're talking about. But then I was like, I should make one again. Make a new one. Make a new one. There we 
My old one's definitely dead and gone. Um, Without a doubt. They were, like, erasing them, weren't they? Yeah, and I also feel like at some point I was like, uh, I'm deleting this. <laughs> can we can we expose ourselves? Yeah. What was, your, what, was your, what was your Tumblr handle? I think it was Liza Plays With Stars, which is what my Instagram used to be. What the frig, Liza? That's a good one. But it used to be, like, Flightless Bird and, like, a bunch of numbers, like, from, um... Iron and wine, like from that song from Twilight. <laughs> That's worse. Um, mine started off as uh, it's my world. You're just living in it with mm-hmm. a bunch of like underscores and like zeros for O's. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it got switched to like Marissa likes, and then I like had separate blogs. So it'd be like Marissa likes food, and that was like my main one. But then it was like Marissa likes words and i would only do quotes on that one and then it was like marcel likes 1d and it would only be 1d pictures oh my god <laughs> oh the days the times the lives um but we now that we're grown at our big age we mm-hmm. um sort of taken on a different viewing of sweater weather huh yeah sweater weather is now a white woman's instagram white woman white woman's instagram latte foam art um we actually had a sign at my bookstore on one of the tables that was like feels like a pumpkin spice latte and it was books that like feel like you're drinking a pumpkin spice latte exactly yeah yeah so this is a a very fall themed episode yes we're talking Sweater weather with me is like not exactly dark academia, but like something like it's like light academia or something. Yes, and that is kind of what I would qualify my book as like actually like maybe like more close to dark academia, I guess. Right. Donna Tart feels very sweater weather. Yeah, yes. Um some of the, I think, which I don't, I haven't read them, but some of the mythological books do. I think Song of Achilles, maybe, but the, what is it, Circe, that yeah. one, definitely. Do you know, that that's kind of the vibe that we yeah. were thinking of. Yeah. Um, a lot of poetry usually feels sweater weather. Weather. Sweater weather. Sweater weather. Um, so what did you end up reading? So I actually reread this book because I read this book when we were freshmen in college. But I read Autobiography of Red, a novel in verse, guys, by Anne Carson. I love that book. Um, and I read a newer book called The Wild Hunt by Emma Seckle. I like that cover. I love the cover. It has a crow on it. And then like the other part of the crow is like on the back. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. We love crows. He goes around. What goes around comes back around. (laughs) Yeah. And this, my book felt very sweater weather. Did your book feel very sweater weather? Yeah, it really, really does, which is weird because I found there are quite a bit of scenes that maybe maybe this has something to do with it. Actually, now I think about it. There are quite a bit of scenes that take place in like the middle of winter, Mm. but they're in South America. So it's 
not like winter as we would think of winter yeah so it, it feels like chilly and cold but like not right huh. interesting i would like to i would like to hear more do you want to go first oh sure why not <sighs> so pals um i w- when i was thinking about this What is the first LGBTQ plus book that I've read? And like Perks of Being a Wallflower popped in my head, but like, does that does that book even really count? Like it does, but like not like it's you don't you don't think of Perks being a Wallflower and you're like, oh, LGBTQ fiction, like not no. So like that book popped in my head, but then I couldn't really think of what the other first one is. So I think the real first one had to have been this book. Um, And it's weird because this book doesn't, I mean, it's not, but a lot of, a lot of queer fiction is very, I can't think of a lot of queer fiction that is adult it's a lot of YA and so this is adult fiction that is very queer and gay and fun um so maybe I was gonna say one of my favorite things about this book but that's simply not true because there are just a lot of things I love about this book but um the cover is very very simple and I remember when I first got it I was like this is going to be the stupidest book in the world because it's like um it looks like aged paper it's um it's like an off-white color and then there is a sepia drawing a sepia tone drawing of a volcano on the cover and it's really just something that when you first pick up this book, you don't even give much thought to. But after you put this book down, you close, you read the last page, you close it, you put it down. You're like, you like look at that again. And it is one of those things that make you feel, um, I don't know, warm inside about this book that you just read, I guess. And that sounds so corny, but um so yeah so this is my second experience with this book like I said and I didn't remember much of it from the first time reading it like I did but I remembered I remembered pretty much the summary of it which is there is a character by the way Liza do you remember how to pronounce his name I was just calling him Jerry on I think that's how I, per- I either I, I might have pronounced it Gary on when I read it. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We can just call him G. That's cool. So, um, it is unclear of whether he's a literal red winged monster or whether it's just kind of um, a metaphorical thing in the book. But I like to think of him as actually red and winged. And that people just are okay with that. 
Um, and so that's how I thought of it. And it's pretty much his his life and him falling in love with Heracles and um, what that does to him, for him. And it is apparently based on a myth. And it's lovely. Um, so, pretty much, he meets... Oh, also, he was sexually abused by his brother when he was younger. He had a very deep connection with his mom. There, the dad is in the picture, but he's not really mentioned very much. Um but him and his mom have like a very emotional connection. He's like a soft boy. He's very like introspective and he notices other people more than he notices himself, it seems like. Um, and so when he's like 14, he mates Heracles, who he then starts hanging out with all the time and then their relationship becomes intimate. And they run away together for a little bit and um, to where Heracles actually lives. And they talk with his grandma for a while. And she's telling them about this town that was covered in volcanic ash. Um, and this man who survived it and many things. And then Heracles breaks things off very nonchalantly. And... Um, Jerion goes home and he lives out his life and then one day he's in South America I believe I think he's in Peru um, and he literally bumps into Heracles again at the tender age of like 22 I think and then they are mixed up in each other's lives again he, he bumps into Heracles and Heracles is a new man I guess and um, they end up going on like this uh, trip to go see another volcano so that's a rough summary. And so let's get into my reading chart for readability and interest. I gave this an eight. Not only is this um, a really, really quick read, because like I mentioned in the beginning, it's a novel in verse. So, um, you know, I read something that even though on the front cover, it says a novel in verse, and Carson has this wonderful way of it not being a novel and also not being verse. Like, it doesn't fit into either category perfectly. Um, but that's what it says. And so it's not, it's not even really a poem. It's, but it is in, like, a very weird way. Um, but it's quick. It's beautiful. It is subtle like it captures your interest really really quick without you even really realizing that it has done so um for language and style I also gave it an eight again it's beautiful writing beautiful 
comparisons in it, the way that the characters are like not described, but the way the the pieces of language that she gives to them and attributes to them is wonderful. Um, and yeah, it's it's really just it's it's lyrical in in a little way but um very beautiful writing so for form we are actually going to talk about form this time and i didn't i gave it a nine and like i said it says a novel in verse and although it doesn't neatly fit into either novel or verse it's like a huge hybrid book which i automatically love um there's also more than just the story of uh, Jerion, there is um, this intro about this character who is said to have uh, wrote this myth. Um, and it goes into pieces of that actual story that was found um supposedly in all book sense and then it goes into some appendixes that explain things and then it goes into the story and then at the end there is an interview a little made-up short interview with this artist um it's just like uh, it's just like a really really beautiful piece of language let me see if i can find this one part that i really like hold on so this is from the beginning it's appendix c which is titled clearing up the questions of i don't know how to say this name but i think it's like Stesichoros. So it's clearing up the questions of Stesichoros's bl blinding by Helen. And it goes on for like three pages, but I'm only going to read a little bit of it. One, either Stesichoros was a blind man or he was not. Two, if Stesichoros was a blind man, either his blindness was a temporary condition or it was permanent. Three, if Stesichoros's blindness was a temporary condition, this condition either had a contingent cause or it had none. Four, if this, if this condition had a contingent cause, that cause was Helen or the cause was not Helen. Five, if the cause was Helen, Helen had her reasons or she had none. Six, if Helen had her reasons, the reasons arose out of some remark Stesichoros made or they did not. Seven. If Helen's reasons arose out of some remarks Desitoros made, either it was a strong remark about Helen's sexual misconduct, not to say its unsavory aftermath, the fall of Troy, or it was not. Eight. If it was a strong remark about Helen's sexual misconduct, not to say its unsavory aftermath, the fall of Troy, either this remark was a lie or it was not. And it just goes on like this and like this. Either it was this or it was not. And this means this or it does not. Um... It's one of my favorite parts of the book, and it it's not even, it, it's, this is in the beginning, not even into the flesh of the actual biography of Rhett. Um, 
love it beautiful gorgeous um so yeah nine shelf worthy read again i think this is an eight especially if you like books on the more experimental side if you like mythology um i think this is definitely something to pick up it's definitely something i've had it for years i'm going to keep it i don't plan on getting rid of it you probably could get it from a library um but like i don't know you might want to keep it you might want to keep this on your shelf for plot i gave it a seven one thing i really really enjoy about the plot of this book is it is straightforward there's not like like there are times where i read something that happened and i was like okay but that's not really what happened but it literally is like like just like there's this weird is he literally a red winged monster or is it metaphorical everything in this book is like both in a weird way um and there's nothing it's it's all it really is all what you're reading if that makes sense and some books don't do that so i really appreciate that and then for characterization i gave it a seven um like i said the the for such a short book for something that's written in verse for something with chapters that are maybe a page long she really did create characters and dynamics in such an interesting way with so little language used um like like the opening of this is jerryon going to school and he gets really, really scared, and he can't, his brother won't show him the way into kindergarten, and so he doesn't know how to go in, and so um, it says he would make his way around the long brick sidewall, past the windows of seventh grade, fourth grade, second grade, and boys to the north end of the school, and position himself in the bushes outside kindergarten. There he would stand motionless until someone inside noticed and came out to show him the way. So like you're reading that and you're like, there's no way this kid just stood out in the bushes and waited. No, he literally did. He didn't go get anyone. He didn't he didn't knock on a window. He didn't scream. He just sat there and waited for someone to notice him. And that's such a good way to like open up this story of this character. And that's how she makes her characters um with instances and and languages and beautiful pieces of phrases um and it's great and it's also like i hate i very much do not like heracles and she doesn't she doesn't try to make you like him there's nothing in here that's like oh but he's good but like he's bad no there's there's nothing of that um and it makes the book more beautiful to have this character who you do love, who's in love with this character, who you don't love at all. Um, yeah, I just think it's a beautiful book. And I think everyone needs to read it. it. You can read it in probably a day. Cozy up while it's cold out. Um, let's get it and go. Let's get it and go. And that's that on that. Shliza. <laughs> Could you just hear my sister sneeze? Bless you. Bless you, brother. Um, I want to reread that. 
It made me you happy. definitely should. It made me happy to hear about it. Like even just I like when I read this, I mainly focused on poetry. So to reread it now, and to know like I don't consider myself a poet anymore. I'm not a fiction writer. Yeah. It's like so interesting to be like, but I can still do that. Like I can, I can still write something that is poetic and lyrical, but it doesn't have to be a poem. It can be a novel. Right. I don't know. Just interesting. It was just lovely and beautiful and like heartwarming. I just want to be a little red winged monster. A little red winged monster. I want to be a little red winged monster. Crazy, crazy girls. Um, what a great Halloween costume that would be! A red winged monster, specifically Jerry on. Yeah, that would be very literary. Um, slay. Oh my god, I should come to New York next year and we should have a literary Halloween party. <gasps> That would be so good. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan. Um, I guess I'll talk about my book a little bit. Um, disclaimer, I did not completely finish this book. Um, I'm a little over halfway. A bit over halfway, maybe I'm closer to 75% done. But this book is 400 pages. That's one of the longest books I've I've read this year. Me and Marissa are both very much giving short book girls. Why why dark academia, light academia books? Lots of times very long. Very long. Like Donna Tart cannot write anything short. Why? I do not know, but it's long, so I didn't fully finish it. So take my rating scale with a grain of salt. Um, but this book is The Wild Hunt by Emma Seffel. I mostly picked it up because of the cover, I won't lie. Um, I got this like a few months ago, or a few weeks ago, probably. I love that it has a crow on it. But then when I read the back of it, I was like, mm, yeah, sign me the hell up. Um, just a little bit of um, the blurb. The Islanders have only three rules. Don't stick your nose where it's not wanted. Don't mention the war and never let your guard down during October. Um, And then I'm skipping some stuff and jumping down. Um, But this October is anything but normal. This October, the Slaw are restless. The ominous bird-like creatures of Celtic legend whispered to carry the souls of the dead have haunted the islanders for decades. But in the war's wake, there are more wandering souls and more Slaw. When a young man disappears, Lee and Ian are thrown together to investigate the truth at the island's dark heart and reveal hidden secrets of their own. And I was like, uh sign me up um would i we put this on the fantasy section of our table at work would i call this a fantasy absolutely not um also slightly offensive maybe to refer to it as fantasy because 
I do think that in Scotland and Ireland, like, folklore is still really prevalent in their culture. So who are you to say that this is a fantasy just because there's these creatures in it? I don't know. But it's definitely, if you're like, see this at your bookstore or in your library and it's in the fantasy section and you don't read fantasy, don't let that throw you off. Because after reading this book, I would never qualify it as fantasy. Um, I guess maybe it's magical realism to me. Um, and it's also a little bit horror-y, but it's mostly kind of historical fiction. And just like that, it's very, 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 very atmospheric. And I think that's why it's taken me a little bit longer to read too, because there is a very strong plot and it's a very original plot, but you are mostly sitting down with this book for the atmosphere of it all. And I think that's kind of what makes a sweater weather book a sweater weather book in a lot of ways too. Um, so that's that's a little bit a tidbit on that um, to tell you about the genre a little. Um, but I'll go into my summary real quick. Um, so this takes place in Scotland after the Second World War on a tiny island that's sort of cut off from the rest of the world. And it starts out with a funeral um, and a funeral pyre set on fire being sent out to sea, which was gorgeous imagery, a gorgeous way to start a book. And it is actually our main character, Lee, her father, who has um, died and it was kind of unexpected. She had been living in mainland Scotland and has now returned to her island, um, which is really rich in like, I wanna say like old, like, I do think, like, like I said, like, I think the fae and superstitions and legends are a big part of Scottish culture, even to mm -hmm. this day. But I think we're supposed to get the point that this island, because it's cut off from mainland Scotland, it's a little bit more prevalent. They're a little bit more just cut off from regular society there. Um, so our main character is having kind of a return to this this place that she grew up. Um, and a lot of people are having a return because the war has ended and a lot of soldiers are coming back. And it's in the aftermath of the war as well, where even if people are coming back, they're not the same people as they were when they left. And some people don't, aren't making it like, um, we know that happens when soldiers come back from war. Like, you know, it it's it's hard um and in october like i said when i read the blurb these creatures known as the slaw come and they're crows who carry the souls of the dead and they're pretty violent um but we get the vibe that they're especially violent this year and we sort of learn that people go missing on the island around this time of year um and the whole thing is that people don't go missing without a trace except for people don't just go missing without a trace except for when they do is mm -hmm. like the line in the book um that I really liked and so um this young boy who um lee is close was close with his family at a point um goes missing and it's up to her and ian who is another local gentleman who has just returned to the island after being in world war ii um are sort of trying to solve this mystery 
and it's there's really some really haunting scenes with this law there's some other kind of magical things happening um but it really is kind of about like it's about a lot of things it's about returning to a place it's about being a different person than you were than when you left a place and coming back to it um and it's about lost souls not only with this law with these with these ancient creatures but like lost souls of people who are missing and lost souls of people who are still here if that makes sense um very very cool book like i said very atmospheric um so without further ado i'll jump into my little writing scale um for readability i gave this book a 6.5 um like i said read it i think it's a good read but the overall vibe of it was not playing on my mind in the way that like a lot of other books we've read this season have I guess we've also read a lot of horror this season and that's a lot of like fast paced, like, oh, what's gonna happen next? Like, what's this? What da, 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 da. And like, this does have this mystery behind it of where did Hugo, that's the name of the boy who's disappeared, go. But there's this sort of like smoky, hazy vibe to sweater weather books that this book has. And I think it's really enchanting when you're reading it um but it is the kind of thing you can consume slowly and it is the kind of thing you can put down and return to um over many 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 days and it's not necessarily the kind of thing that's going to be like playing on your mind but you'll be engrossed while you're reading it for language and style I gave this an eight so I actually this was like the highest I ranked it anything in this whole book because like I said like I liked this book it's not gonna make it into like my favorites of the year but that being said I really liked her writing style I think it's gorgeous and I think this is quite literally the perfect book to read during fall if you want that fall vibe that's not necessarily Halloween because we do have this weird like liminal space between Halloween and and like December 1st where you're like maybe still in like a little spooky folly foggy sun is setting at 4 p.m mood um but you can't really read Halloween books anymore and you can't read Christmas books I don't know if that's your vibe um but um this is really like the perfect I don't know where I was going with that I, I I went off on a tangent and it had to do with her writing. Oh, it's because of her description of like setting. That's what it was. It's It takes place in October and there's these very like, like I keep wanting to say like smoky and foggy, but also crisp. Like I'm just thinking of different adjectives that go with fall time and sweater weather. But like she did such a good job at making you feel that sort of like crispy, chilly like thing with the writing itself and every like the imagery is just gorgeous and her descriptions of um place and the surroundings are really 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 beautiful and there's also I don't know her writing's just good it's good writing there's this one scene too where the slaw are attacking a sheep and I was like <gasps> like it like freaked me out a little bit so like this is not a horror book, but if you're a horror fan and you like like weird horror writing, that's like 
kind of like, I don't know about that. That's creeped me out. This is for you. Um, clearly, my brain stops working after like 11 p.m. because I feel like I was having coherent thoughts a minute ago. And now that it's 11.06, I'm like, mm, not a coherent thought to be had. Um, for form, I gave this book a six. Maybe even I would consider not talking about form. There's nothing really interesting it's a very standard chapter by chapter beginning middle end book um for shelf worthiness I gave this book a 5.5 I will be probably hanging on to this for a while just because I do love the cover so much um but I don't if you think you're gonna like the vibe of like sweater weather Scottish island Celtic myth mystery historical fiction because it takes place in the war and you're like actually I want to read this um you should read it but you could totally take it out from the library it's not one that I'm like oh you need to have this because you're going to want to read it again and again um it's just one of those middle of the line good books for plot I did give this book a 7.5 I think this is so clever. I don't know how she thought of this. I'm guessing she's Scottish, but all of that, the only information about her is that she currently lives in Canada. Um, but I just love when, I, I, I'm guessing she must be Scottish just because of the way she talks about it. But I love when people turn their own like mythologies from their cultures into these sort of like modern tales. And even though this is like a 1950s, like historical fiction, 1940s historical fiction, um, it has that like mythological retelling sort of plot energy to it. Like Marissa brought up Song of Achilles and Circe and like, I would never, like I wouldn't, if someone came up to me and was like, I love Song of Achilles, what book should I read next? I would probably not be like oh the wild hunt but like it, it, it has that same energy in that like here's like an obscure piece of mythology or an obscure piece piece of folklore and I'm gonna do something really freaking cool and modern with it um and I do love so much about the like I do there's a slowness to this book too that I think is actually really beautiful in a way like I don't think we always need a fast-paced mystery I think there's something to be said about like a slow-paced mystery and like ruminating on a mystery I guess if that makes sense and I think that having this law these creatures that are the soul the literally the lost souls of the dead alongside this young boy who has gone missing literally without a trace and this this issue of what do you do after you spend so much time fighting in a war that's now over and you have to go back to your regular life which is supposed to be a good thing but like nobody's the same person as they were at the front of the war as they are at the end of the war like there's some, there, I don't know, this book just has like a lot of like, you really got to sit with it. And I think that's probably why I did rank the plot higher than readability. Um, because even if I'm like, oh yeah, I had kind of a slower time reading this book, it does have a really rich 
plot to it. Um, yes, something melancholic about sweater weather, Marissa said, and that's literally so right. Like, there's something really melancholic about this book, and I think there's something really melancholic about audio autobiography of Red too. And um, that kind of leads me into my last section, which is characterization. I gave this book a seven. Um, I thought all these characters were really rich. It's one of those things too, where you're like. I'm like, this woman must have grown up in a small town in Scotland because like there's all these like cla- like the classic towns people, but they all are so like they felt like real people, um, which I really liked. And especially Ian and Lee, who are the main characters. But Hugo was such a great character, like before he went missing, like she had you fall in love with him. And then all like his family, her family the church congregation like everybody feels just like you're just like sitting with these people while they're experiencing this October that they experience every year but there's something especially harrowing about this October and you're like just trying to like get through it with them and you're trying to like recover with them after freaking World War II and there's something very melancholic about that and I feel like that's the same thing as Autobiography of Red. Like, you're hanging out with Garyon while he's trying to get through this thing. And I don't know what is so sweater weather and fall vibes about that, but it is. And it's different than a hanging out with a character in the summer. Like, when you're hanging out with a character in the summer, they're, like, going through all this stuff. Life is crazy. It's up and down. Like, da-da-da-da. da 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 And it's, like... Summer books can still be sad, but there's like almost a manic sadness to a summer book. And there's like a melancholic sadness to a fall book. Right. I I also think there's something like, I don't know, like when, when it's fall, like, yeah, you start school up, but you're also like trying to get into this routine. Fall is usually like a very slow transitional phase. And so sweater weather books feel slower they feel like they feel very subtle they feel transitional um there's yeah there's just something so quiet about a fall and a fall read no you're so right you're so right That's really actually interesting. That makes me think, you know? That really makes me think. Um, but that's this book, bro. Like, it was fun. Like, it's fun. Like, I mean, I'm going to finish it. Like, I'm not going to DN up this book by any means. Like, I'm literally probably going to finish it tomorrow or over the next two days or so. But, yeah, shit is fucking good. Like, here's just, like, an example. Like, a dark shadow passed over their heads, and they turned their eyes skyward, a cloud of crows cavorting, cavorting through the air northwards. They had an uncanny ability, this law, to appear out of nowhere in situations where one would have seen them coming a mile off. Lee seemed to shrink beneath them, a tightening of her shoulders as she buried her hands in her pockets. Ian felt it, too, a thinning of the air, like there wasn't enough to go around now that the slaw were here. Like, you know what I mean about that kind of horror? That's like, you're like, ooh, like, this is giving me the heebity-jeebities, but I don't, like, it's not, like, scary, but it is. You know what else I'm thinking about? You know how you said that it, it doesn't exactly fit into fantasy? Yeah. Doesn't it, I mean, like, if you're, 
autobiography of Red shouldn't be in fantasy. No. It they should both it seems to me be like they should be literary fiction. These both gotta be literary fiction for like sure. There's something very literary fiction about it. Yes. Agreed. And that feels a lot better than fantasy. Yes. To just like lump it in with I don't know. Sometimes you walk through the fantasy section and you're like, what is going on? Exactly. That's why I'm like, no no shade to fantasy people, but also full tea, full shade. Like, it's different. What are these covers? Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if this book is different than Ice Planet Barbarians. (laughs) I mean, that's sci-fi romance, but like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If someone said walk through a section and pick out like like pick one section that you wish that you could redo all of the covers of every book and you have to redo all of the covers even if you like them I would either go with romance or I would go with sci-fi fantasy I 100% agree with you they're just why can't they be not so loud I don't know and it's 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 offensive too because what if some of those books are really good? And I know they are. And now that like fantasy has and genre fiction has such like a campy reputation, now all these books are trapped with just absolutely heinous covers. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm sure that's a good book, but it doesn't look as good as this. But but see, and then okay, okay, think think about any sci-fi fantasy writer you know who does have good book covers mm-hmm. it's like uh tolkien mm-hmm. tolkien has some very beautiful book covers gorgeous neil neil i love his like his updated ones. ones yeah so good um uh what's his name george rr R. martin's covers aren't my favorite but they're nice and subtle uh, and the colors aren't that offensive no but how come it's these big name ones it's almost like anyone else in that genre isn't taken seriously so they just put really really like annoying campy things on the covers that's not fair that's not fair that's not fair that's my tea on that get better covers for good books publishing world but that's sweater weather that was all the sweaters for the wetters that we had now they all got eaten by moths. They all have holes in them. They gotta buy new ones. Get new sweater. And get a new sweater weather book. Um, yeah, get a new sweater weather book. Um, I love the Goldfinch. If anyone wants to read that one, it's really long. Um, I have been dying to read the secret history, but I haven't done it. Um, these books were really great. <sighs> Any book that is like you're you wake up in the morning and there is you can see where the sun is coming through your window and you can see the little dust in it, it's like golden. That's sweater weather. That's so sweater go pick weather. up that kind of book. That's sweater weather. Um, what's next week? Next week is a very special week. Another uh, one of our uh observance month episodes um 
but we're very, 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 very excited about this one because it is November is Native American Heritage Month, people. It's one of my favorites. Like Native American authors are so rich in content. It's all so good. They're so freaking cool. They're doing literally the coolest shit. Oh, we love them. Delicious. Native American authors keep doing what you're fucking doing. Liza, what you read? I am reading um, Night of the Living Res by Morgan Talty. I'm very excited. Um, he He's a Penobscot um, Native American. And that is really cool to me because Penobscot, um, they're from Maine. And my ancestors are... Pacasset, who are from Massachusetts. So we're all in like the Algonquin nation. So it is very cool. To, I've never actually read another um, author or like a Native American author who's from like the current like New England area. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, 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 very excited about that. I love that. And the book that you're reading sounds very, very cool. A collection of short stories. We love it. What are you reading? So I was really on the fence about what to read. And there was one that I really, really wanted to read. But I don't know why I felt really insecure about it. Because it's a children's book. Literally ages 8 to 12. But I was like, I don't know why. As soon as I saw it, I just like mentally set myself up to read that book. Um. So it's called The Legend of Skeleton Man by Joseph Bruchak. Bruchat? Bruchak? We'll double check that for next week. But, um, and R.L. Stein said that he gave him nightmares. And it's a two book collection. So I'm reading like the first and the second book, but it's in one book. Um, and I've already started reading it and I'm already like, <laughs> I love it and I love the main character and I love I think we talked about this when we did our R.L. Stein episode but R.L. Stein writes kids in like kind of a naive way but but respectfully um and I don't feel like this author is writing his main character Molly in a naive way at all but I feel like he's writing her wonderfully um so respectfully I love when adult humans treat children like children humans it's like one of my favorite things and so I'm just so excited about this book and I can't wait to talk about it what which tribe is the author from I actually don't know off the top of my noggin let me see if there's a little bio in here that's okay Abenaki, A-B-E-N-A-K-I. Abenaki, yeah. Yeah. Aw, it says he lives in upstate New York in the same house where he was raised by his grandparents. I love that. That's also really cool because you're kind of then reading Abenaki people are from 
like it looks like they're actually a big area including like the great lakes like lake champlain mm -hmm. aren't you like isn't that kind of near your area yeah i'm like i'm like eerie okay but like yeah but like it's cool that we're both reading like like i do like i love i love native american writers of any sort but i feel like you see a lot of navajo you see a lot of lakota um you see a lot of Cherokee, which is all Midwest and Western native tribes. And you don't see a lot of Northeastern um, nation tribe books. Right. That's very cool. We're excited. We're so excited. I'm very, 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 very excited for next week. And we love you. And... Thank you for listening to our voices in your ears. And we'll see you next week. Peace out. Bye. Oh, so I, was like, I love you. And he goes, 